So did you know that there is one word in the English language that almost no one pronounces correctly? There's one word that so many of us that speak English really struggle with this word. It's a simple word. It's it's a word that you and I probably have heard, but we don't hear it often. And can anybody guess what that, like if you think about, oh, the whole English language, what is one word that you think everybody probably struggles saying? Gyro? 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 How about Worcestershire sauce? Did I get that right? I heard it out there actually in the crowd. There's one word that so many of us struggle with, and it's a really simple one. It's the word no. So many of us struggle saying and pronouncing this word because honestly, we struggle with boundaries. I entitled tonight's message, Do You Struggle With Saying No? If you struggle with saying no in your life in any part of it, then you probably struggle with boundaries. And what I know and what I really believe goes on here is so many of us deal with this issue. And because we don't have boundaries and because we don't walk into those boundaries and hold those boundaries, then our relationships and our families become a mess. Because we get exhausted and we get tired and we get in this area of our life where we're just kind of like everyone is dictating our life for us. And so tonight, I want to talk about this idea that in focused families, in families that are healthy, we have to learn to say the word no and we have to learn to put some boundaries in place. And so tonight, I want us to learn how to say no. I want us to learn how to place some boundaries in our life so that we can move forward and actually have really incredible, healthy relationships. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Who in here has a pool? Anybody have a pool at your house? Anybody have those cool fence things that are made of mesh that like the poles stick in the ground and they're like a barrier? Does anybody have that at your pool? Okay, we do. We have it at our pool uh, because we have little kids. We have four kids. They're 10. Okay, we just had a bunch of birthdays. So 10, 8, 6, and 4. Okay? And so we, we have this barrier around our pool because we love our kids. Like we want them to be very healthy and make sure that they're okay. But recently, we had a part of our house that we had to get worked on. It's still being worked on. And because of that, we had to take a big portion of that fence down. We had to take it down because like where they're working, the fence was right in the way. So we had a conversation with our kids and just said, hey guys, like family meeting, we just got to set some new boundaries. We got to set some new ground rules for you guys because some things have changed in our life. Our normal boundary, the mesh fence is gone. And man, my kids, they were like, what? And I was like, listen, so here's the deal. Until... Such a time as the fence is rebuilt, I have to talk like a lawyer, right? Like until such a time as the fence is rebuilt, you are not allowed to go into the backyard or by the pool by yourself. You have to be with somebody, preferably an adult. Your four-year-old brother is not going to be much help if you fall in and get in trouble, right? And man, my kids, they were like, no, what? We can't go into the backyard by ourselves, like, and we just started to hear all the excuses, right? And all the reasons why we're wrong. Because we put a new boundary in their life. And we said, like, they were literally like, Dad, we know how to swim. And I said, I know, I didn't make this rule because you didn't know how to swim. Dad, Dad, we're the best. Like, we know we won't get near it. We won't fall in. We won't do all of these things. But how many of you know when you were a kid, the pool was like, like, crack. Like you had to go touch the water. Like I just need to touch the pool today because I got to figure out if it's hot or cold. Just let me put my toe in. Like I've been in places with my kids that like, there's no way that they should be in the water. And all they do is say, dad, like, I just got to like, try it. I just one time. And so we said like, Hey, to our kids, like there's no going in the backyard right now until this boundary is rebuilt. And even Jude, our four-year-old was like, dad, I know how to swim. But Jude knows how to swim like most little kids know how to swim. It looks like they're drowning, right? Like little kids who swim, like Jude, he's like this sometimes and his face, just this part of his face is above the water. And he's like this, "Ah, ah," and then then you grab him because it's like he's drowning. And he's like, oh, it was great. I'm swimming. And I'm like, no, you're just not drowning. You're not swimming. You're just not drowning. 
And so because I know that as his dad, that's why we put this rule into place. I wonder for how many of us we're experiencing that in our life right now in our relationships and with God. That God has put some boundaries in your life and some boundaries in your relationships and you're just like, but I'm really great at this. I won't struggle with that. I'm okay with this. That won't become an addiction for me. This won't be a problem for me, God. And God's like, yeah, I know, but like you trying to get away from that thing is like Jude swimming. You're just kind of not drowning. But honestly, if we let it go on very long, there would be a moment where your face went under the water. And so tonight as we look at this, I I want us to have this idea, this thought in our head, that freedom without constraint is chaos. Freedom without constraint is chaos. For so many of us, like if there were no laws at all, how, how would it go? Like there's movies about it. It's called The Purge and there's like 12 of them, right? And it's this movie about this idea that certain laws, all these laws are done away with for 24 hours and anything goes, anything goes. And when that happens, chaos ensues in the middle of that. And I think that that is so true for so many of us because when the boundaries are removed or when we move beyond the bounds, Life gets a little chaotic. Maybe some of you growing up, like, you remember, like, you had siblings and your parents would leave. And, like, all the rules went out the window all of a sudden. How did it go? You probably had one dictator, right? Like, he just, they rose to power. As soon as mom and dad left, they were like, welcome to my kingdom, right? Like, things are going to change up in here now, right? I'm in charge. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. I was the oldest, so that was me. I was like, welcome to Blake's world. It's gonna be a wild ride, right? But here's the deal. You and I have to realize that boundaries, for so many of us, we think as boundaries as rules to keep us away from things. That's how we think of boundaries. Boundaries are these like nose and these lines in the sand that keep us away from the things that we really want. But biblically, that's not the way that boundaries work. In fact, boundaries are for blessing. Every time the Bible begins to talk about boundaries, it comes from the angle of this idea that this is to keep you in God's blessing. It's to keep you where you need to be and to be safe. And God knows, and and we know that like, if you go beyond the boundary, there's something terrible waiting for you on the other side. In fact, let's go to the first boundary in the Bible. How about that? We just go to the very first one. And this is the pace and the tone that God sets as he talks about boundaries. And maybe for some of us, as we think about our relationships, what boundaries, or maybe you don't have any boundaries in your relationship. And maybe things are chaotic and things are out of control and things aren't going so well because we've approached boundaries like they're bad. But the reality is they're for blessing. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, this is God speaking to Adam. And God says, look, I've created everything up in this place for you guys. Like, it's real good. All these green plants, they're to eat. All these animals, you can eat them. There's just one thing you've got to know. There's these two trees in the middle of the garden. And you're not supposed to eat from them. There's one. It's called the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is a tree that you're not supposed to partake in. There's a boundary. Listen to what the word of God says and why God imposed that boundary. Genesis 2, 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. There is freedom. There is blessing, right? From any tree in the garden, any one of them, there's freedom. There's blessing in the garden, but, uh uh-oh, You must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And you're like, oh, and God is gracious to us because he gives us the why. Right? God doesn't say, well, just because I said so. God says here, I'm going to give you the why. I'm going to tell you what's going on. For when you eat from it, what? You will certainly die. Death, by the way, is the end of freedom. There is no freedom in death. You're dead. You're gone. Bye-bye. Death means the end. Death is the end of freedom. And for so many of us, we have to understand that the boundaries are meant to keep us in the blessing. That's exactly what God says here in Genesis. Look, 
Everything in this garden is for your good. Everything you can eat from. Everything is okay except for one thing. There's a little boundary, a mesh fence around this one tree. And you, like my son, yeah, but like I'm really good at eating. I have impeccable taste buds. I promise you, I'm smart. I can handle it. God, like, let, give me the knowledge. I can handle it. I'll know. It's okay. Hey, it looks good. It's tempting like the water, isn't it? Like as a kid, you look at that. The river, it's babbling. It's really clear. There's fish swimming in it. You're like, I got to get in there, man. Woo! That's exactly what happens in this moment. That God says, look, there's this tree in the middle of the garden, and you cannot eat from it, for it will bring death. Here's a really good lesson for you and I. Adam and Eve in perfection still had intellectual curiosity that got him in trouble. There's nothing wrong with intellectual curiosity. There's nothing wrong with curiosity, but we have a phrase in our world, do we not? Curiosity killed the... Well, curiosity killed us. See, because it becomes this forbidden thing for so many of us and we move towards it. See, the boundary wasn't given in Genesis to take life away. It was actually given to preserve life. The boundary was given to us and to humanity to preserve us. So, so many of us are looking at the boundaries in our life like things being taken away rather than things being preserved. So let me just, like, let's just narrow this down. What areas of our lives are we suffering because we have not put up the boundaries in life? Like, I really believe that I know I'm talking to somebody right now online or in this room that the reason that God has not allowed something, given something, or, or, or walked you into something you so desire is because he's put a boundary on your life because he knows that that blessing will be a curse because it is the wrong season and it will kill you. You go, I don't know if I'll physically die. Right. Well, when Adam and Eve fell, it just wasn't just physical death that entered the world. It was emotional, relational, physical, and spiritual. And God doesn't just want to keep you from physically dying. He wants to keep your soul alive. He wants to keep you moving forward. And so these boundaries in our lives, like how many of us need to just stop in the message right now and go, thank you, God. Like, I don't like it. I don't like that there's a mesh fence around that part of my life, but just because I don't understand in what, I'm gonna believe in who, in all the times in the scriptures that I've seen you put a boundary around something, it's to preserve life, not take things away. And so how many of us just need to stop right now? Thank you, God, for not that relationship. It didn't happen. All right, there's a Garth Brooks song or something about that. You know it's true if he sang a song, right? <laughs> But, you know, like, God, thank you I didn't get that job. God, thank you that I didn't get that car. God, thank you that I, di I didn't get that house. God, thank you. Because how many of us have walked into something that we are so sure is good for us, and when we got into it, we were like, uh-oh. Huh, the water is not as nice as it looked. This is hard. I really wish I never did that. You ever done that? Yeah, it's like you're a boomerang, right? You step into it and you're like, I got to get out of here and you're gone. For so many of us, the reason that we do this is because instead of trusting and believing in the goodness of God, we trust and believe in the goodness of our perspective. We really do. We were in Israel a couple of years ago. Um, and there's portions of in the Gaza Strip and um, in the Golan Heights, especially where uh, that area of Israel used to be controlled, used to be controlled territory where other countries were basically looking into Israel. It's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when you go to certain parts of that place of the country, there's fences and there's borders and there's boundaries and we were walking with somebody, and they were like getting close to the boundary. We were by the Jordan River, and there was all these boundaries. And this guy, you know, there's that, always that guy. Like there's a fence, and he's like, oh, watch me hop over it. You know, that guy. And so he's like, watch this, man. And the tour guide said, stop immediately. The guy's like, what? I'm just fooling around. 
And he goes, yeah, but some boundaries aren't meant to be fooled around with. He goes, look and turn your gaze down the line. You see, you see that little triangle? You see how it's like the ground and then a big explosion? That's because on the other side of this boundary is a minefield. And you could be stepping over into certain death if you do not stay on this side of the fence. How many of us want to step over the boundaries in our lives to just taste what the other side's like? And God says, it's a minefield, dude. I put a boundary here because I love you, because I want to preserve your life. I don't want to take it away. And how many of us, these boundaries in our lives, like there's parts of your life where you're just being run over and it's like a minefield. And your relationships and people in your relationships are being blown up because you never gave anybody a boundary. Like you never said, hey, like it's not okay to talk to me like that. And so you let someone cross the boundary and move forward in your life. And then all of a sudden they step on a mine and you blow up. And they blow up too. And it's bye-bye relationship. Maybe there's parts of your life financially. Maybe there's parts of your life spiritually. Maybe there's parts of your life physically that you haven't put boundaries down. And let me just tell you something. You're trying to love people by not making them uncomfortable by building a fence when all you're doing is not loving them, you're loving you because you're going to let them step on a landmine. Boundaries are meant to keep us in blessing and boundaries can help us preserve our relationships with our kids, with our spouse, with our siblings, with our neighbors, with our boss. Because what we do is we set a clear expectation, not an unreasonable expectation, by the way, but a clear one because we want to preserve the blessing of being in relationship with each other. So boundaries, we have to clear our mind and clear our thoughts that boundaries are built for blessing. That's what they're designed for. They're designed to keep us where we should be, which is the blessings of God. But what else are boundaries for? Boundaries are for protection, to keep us safe, to keep us okay, to, to help others be safe and to stay okay. Listen to what Psalm 19 verses 7 to 9 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. Have you thought about the law like that lately? That the rules and law of God, the boundaries of God are refreshing to our souls. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Here's what he's saying. The boundaries of God are for the protection of God's people, for all people. You may have experienced this. Like, look, there's no shame here. We've all stepped beyond where we should be. We all have. If you're human, you've done it. There's no shame in that. But we need to understand, instead of resenting God as the cosmic killjoy, we actually need to see him as the cosmic preserver. He is the one who is guarding and hedging us. Did you notice that in those verses, everything is talked about as light? Radiant, good, light, pure, joy. Everything here that the psalmist says is about how the law preserves and protects takes care of you. It watches over you. The problem is when we get out of this idea, when we get out of it and say, my thoughts are higher than yours. And so I'm going to move like, that's a nice law for them. Anyone in here like that? Rules are for others, not for you. <laughs> Jagas are <laughs> right. Like that's how you think about life. But then how many times have you gotten in trouble? The rule, uh, that rule's not for me. Eating donuts, my body absorbs the calories and gets rid of them. I get stronger. Nah, just wait. Just wait. There's a doctor waiting for you. Yeah, she's got your bed is already written. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm healthy. You are? Are you sure? Yeah, my body has a supernatural way of making garbage into glory. So I'm okay. Really? We'll see. Just let's give it time. See, some of you are walking outside the boundaries of God right now and you think everything's okay. Just give it time. That's a warning. 
Because here's the incredible thing. The grace of God is ready to meet you right where you are. And all you have to do is turn around. And the incredible thing is the boundaries of God follow you and are ready to take you back. Why? Because he's the boundary. And he's always near. And so boundaries are for our protection. Think about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given to us as our protection to say, I want to preserve our relationship. I want to make sure that we're okay. So I just want to let you know these ten things. Ten. To make sure we're okay. Because I want to protect our relationship and I want to protect us. See, the idea I want you to think about is, is these, this law and these boundaries are like Troas. You guys remember Troas? You're like, I don't know that name. You might know another name. It's called the Trojan Horse. There's this old saying that the walls of the protection of the land of the city of Troas was so incredible that no army could penetrate nor get over the wall. So what happened? The enemy built something that was pleasing, good-looking, really ostentatious and awesome. It was like the biggest like toy ever and put it at the front door and what did the Trojans do? They opened the door for their death. Oh, that's nice. Come on in. Have you ever noticed that that's exactly what sin is like? It kind of shows up real nice, promises you everything and then takes everything from you. Anyone ever tried like rotten milk? I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, uh, everyone go home tonight and try some rotten milk. No, but you know what rotten milk looks like? Good milk. It looks exactly like good milk. Like if, I mean, if it, unless it's chunky and funky, right? But here's the deal. Milk that's a little bad looks a lot like good milk. The only difference is, is when we taste it. But you know what's on the milk to help us? The expiration date. It's like a boundary. Don't cross this. And you're like, it's fine. It was only in my car for six hours in Florida. It was 95 degrees. It's okay. And then you're like, God, why would you let me do this? God, why didn't you just smack the milk out of my hand? God, why didn't you? Because he's like, you opened the door and let it in. I'll help you get it out. <laughs> oh. But for how many of us, that's exactly what we've done with our lives. Because we don't see the, the boundaries of God as protection. We see them as taking things away from us. And so we invite things into our lives that we shouldn't. How about this? Like maybe you're dating somebody and like you've put up boundaries in your relationship about how you're going to speak to each other, how you're going to date, how you're going to be physically with each other. Like let's not like pretend like everyone's perfect in this area. So what, like, there's, like a, there's like this thing that's like, oh, but this is good. And this is right, and this is perfect, and man, you, you'll love it. And so what do you do? You just open the door. Come on in. Yeah. Just like, let's, let's, like, let's just let sin in. No big deal. Not, not a problem. Maybe in your marriage, in the way that you fight, or the way that you speak to each other, or maybe you use the D word. You know, divorce. And that's always a weapon. Kelsey and I have a rule in our house. There is no use of the D word in any fight unfair. I'm not going to weaponize the demise of our relationship to make my point. That's a boundary we aren't going to cross. I've, I think about it. I've thought about it. You're like, you're a pastor. You don't, yeah, I'm a human being. I've let sin get in my life. I've let my thoughts get away from me. I've let all of these things go on. But see, I had to choose the boundary that I was going to keep. And then I had to choose even when I didn't feel like it to be obedient to it. Because I had a greater vision for my life and for my marriage. Boundaries are meant to be protective. The Ten Commandments are like the wall of Troas saying, these are things that you don't want to let into your life. You say, well, why? Because it's going to bring death into the house. And some of you are like, it's like a vampire. You just invite it in. Come on in. You look weird. Okay, come on in. I wonder for how many of us we need to see that the boundaries of God are meant to protect us and some of us need to start placing some boundaries in our relationships. Like parents, you probably need some boundaries in your relationship with your kids in how you're going to speak to each other. Not just how they speak to you, how you speak to them. 
If you're dating, you need some boundaries in your life, and you need to bring people in that help keep you accountable to those boundaries. You, if you're going to, like, financially, you need to, like, Kelsey and I have an agreement, and I don't always follow this, it's my fault, but how much money we're going to spend without telling each other. I break that one the most, probably. I'm bad at that. And guess what? I have to return everything. It just brings death into my life. I don't know why I don't get it. God has built a wall around our lives, and the enemy has tricked us to allowing him in. That's exactly what happens in the garden. God said, don't eat of this tree. And what does the enemy say? I'll just try it. Come on, you won't die. Just open the door to your life. Let's see how it goes. And I'll bet that fruit tasted good. I bet the realization didn't. Sin, people sin because sin is fun. Can I just be honest with you? Sinning is fun. It's the consequence of sin that isn't. It's the consequence of what enters our life, what goes on in our life, what happens as a result of it when we let it in. But not only are boundaries built for us to have protection, but boundaries are for our provision. Boundaries are the place where we can walk in God's blessing, and God's blessing is God's provision. 100% is where God's provision resides in our lives. And, And boundaries will give you a place to recharge, to love, and to serve others. Some of us in here, like, you don't have any boundaries on your time. You'll do it. Yep, yep, I'll do that. Yep, I'll do that. It's two in the morning. Can you pick me up from the airport? No problem. I'll be there. I got work at 4 a.m., but hey, I love you. Boundary, no. It's called Uber. There's someone getting paid to do this right now. Let them do it. But how many of us, like, because we have not put boundaries in our life and stepped into the blessing of God, we have no provision to live our life. Like, we don't have energy to deal with our kids when we get home. We don't have energy to deal with our spouse. We don't have energy to deal with our boyfriend or girlfriend. We don't have energy to deal with our boss. We don't have energy to deal with anything. And then all of a sudden you snap at the smallest provocation because you haven't put boundaries in your life to preserve your life, to be in a place where you can get through these moments. See, if you don't put boundaries in your life, I will tell you your future, and it's called burnout. Because you step out of the provision of God, you can't take all this stuff with you. There are things on the other side of the fence that are designed to devour you. And no matter how strong you get or food, how much food you bring or how much provision you have, death is on the way. Cody and I were in Chicago this week and we were at a leadership conference and um, we got really bored, so we watched this show on caving. It's on, I don't know what it's on, National Geographic deal about like this super deep cave somewhere in, I don't even know where. Could you remember where? Nicaragua. Where? Nicaragua. Okay. And so what happens is, is these guys, they get like, this is where Cody and I got freaked out because they were like, hey, we're so deep in this cave, we're days away from the entrance. Days away from the entrance. See, they they went beyond the bounds of where you and I should live. And this one dude was down in this cave for over six weeks. Six weeks he lived in a cave trying to explore the end of the cave. And do you know what finally caused the expedition to stop? They ran out of provision. Because they went beyond the bounds of what was doable at the time they had pushed beyond their supply chain and they had to go back in return defeated because they ran out of provision the supplies couldn't get to them let me ask you a question are you in a point in your life are you in a point in your relationships right now that you've just kind of gotten beyond what you could bring with you how's it going how's it going is, is life living or are you about to text that person after this message and go, hey, it ain't working. There's no more provision. We've gone beyond the bounds. Are you about to sign those papers? Maybe because you've gotten beyond the provision of where you can live financially, bankruptcy's knocking on the door. 
or you've gotten beyond the provision of patience of your boss because you won't walk in what he's asked you or she's asked you to do, and you're one step away from getting fired. How about your kids? Are they going to want to hang out with you? Or have you gotten them beyond the provision of the relationship? And all it is is a toll. If you want to have an incredible relationship, you've got to have boundaries. Because in boundaries, there is provision because you're in the blessing. So what do you and I do? How do we get through this? How do we begin to walk through this? See, we all think that boundaries are about no's, but it's really about yes. So here's the deal. If you want to have incredible boundaries in your life, let your yes define your no. Let your yes define your no. See, the reason that so many of us have a hard time pronouncing this word no is because we don't know what we want to say yes to. We don't know the things in our life that we want to say, yep, that's coming into my life. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 to 20. This is an incredible passage in the Bible where Peter and others have been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're stirring up some controversy in this world. And the Sanhedrin, which is a council of Jewish leaders of both Pharisees and Sadducees, call Peter and John in front of them and they say, hey, look, you guys got to stop talking about Jesus. If you don't, we're going to kill you. So just be quiet. And Peter, because he's in the provision and in the blessing and the protection of God, because he's doing things God's way, says this, Acts chapter 4, verses 19 to 20. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So the answer is no. No. Why? Because we chose a long time ago in our life what we're going to say yes to. And I'm always going to say yes to God. And so the answer is easy. No. Kill me. Okay. You just send me home. The answer is easy. I will not shut my mouth. I will not cower down. I will not stop because a while ago, I chose what I was going to say yes to. And when I said yes to God, it it means I say no to some things. And so let me ask you, just like in your life right now, what are you saying yes to? Have you said yes to God? Then you need to say no to other things. You can't have your cake and eat it too. There's blessing there's grace, there's mercy. I don't want you to think like that God doesn't run after you. If you listen to the gospel of Luke, he goes after the lost sheep, right? The sheep that got beyond the bounds, God goes after them. So I'm not saying that this is a graceless, merciless message, but I'm saying that right now you and I have to make some decisions. Like, and it can be simple. Like really in our life right now, Friday night is family movie night. Okay, my house, Friday night, is family movie night. That's why I say no to all you about Friday dinner. Hey, can you guys go on a date on Friday night? No. Why? Because I hate you. No, because it's movie night. It's, it's a time. I, my kids don't really get to experience a normal weekend. You guys realize that? They go to school all week. We're here all weekend. So what do we do? Friday night, family movie night. And we got, like, we, we're not perfect. There are things that arise. Like if someone, like, uh, my dad died and is at the hospital, I'm like, sorry, family movie night. No, like you make reasonable, gracious, merciful exceptions. But otherwise, you guard it ruthlessly. So you guys want to go to dinner on Friday night? Sorry, I love you, but I love my family more. And because I'm going to always say yes to them, I have no problem saying no to you. Kelsey and I, I've said yes to Kelsey for my entire life. So that means no to every other woman in the world. No. No. It's easy. I'm saying yes to her, no to you. It's because I I chose what I'm going to say yes to. So the no is not a temptation. And by the grace of God, I haven't been tempted. And by the grace of God, I'll continue to not be because I want to stand in his blessing and in his protection and his provision. And so when I keep saying no, then it's, it's, it's easier to be in that moment and say yes to Kelsey. 
We coveted it. We said no, like me and you, and that's it. Or what about this? I've decided to say yes to my, to my kids. Like, and so Monday, which is my day off, I'm going to go because my kids have their meet the teacher day. I'm going on my day off to meet the teacher. Not because I want to meet the teachers. No offense, teachers, you're awesome. I don't, okay, it's great. But I want my kids to share in the excitement with me and going, look at my classroom. This is my teacher. Isn't she wonderful? Yes. Because I've said yes to them, not to the teacher. I was bad at saying yes to teachers, by the way. I was not a good student. I've decided to say yes to this church. This is mine and Kelsey's and our family's home. So we've said yes. So I try not to miss a lot of weekends. I try not to travel. I really don't go speak at other churches very often. And I say no. Why? Because I've said yes here. I've said yes to you. I've said yes to being your pastor. That some of you, every person who's a member of our church has special access to me and our family. Not at the forsaking of our family, but we have said yes to this church. And if God has brought you to this church, then we want to shepherd and love you well. So we'll say yes. But most important of all, all of these other yeses fall under one big yes. When I was in my early 20s, I said yes to Jesus. And because I said yes to Jesus, it makes me say no to a lot of other things. See, because my loyalty to Kelsey is not just built on how good of a person I am. My loyalty to Kelsey is predicated on my yes to Jesus. My loyalty to my kids is not predicated on how great of a person I am. It's predicated that God has made me and ordained me to be the father of those children. And because I said yes to him, I say yes to them. My needing to be in this church is not built on needing a paycheck. It is not built on fame. It is not built on the need to come and speak to you and to teach you. We've said no to a lot of other churches and bigger ministries and bigger things. Why? Because we said yes to Jesus. We said yes to bedrock. So let me ask you a question. What are you saying yes to in your life? Are the things that you're saying yes to, that you're making boundaries around and, and choosing that this is what I'm going to be, are they life-giving, God-honoring things? Let your yes define your no. And then finally here, do not let your boundaries be empty. I was in a conversation recently with a group of people, and they're having some behavioral issues with other people. And they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sign a covenant. We're going to make a promise. We're going to say yes to this. I was like, okay, cool. So we're going to say yes to the way that we're going to treat each other, how we're going to do things. We're saying yes. I was like, great. So this person was talking, 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 talking. And then I was just listening, listening, listening. And then I finally said, okay, so what happens if they don't say yes to the covenant or they break the covenant? And they were like, oh, I don't know, Nothing. I said, so what's the point of the covenant if there's no consequence to breaking it? See, here's the deal. When we break God's covenant, God's blessing, God's boundaries, there are consequences. For the wages of sin is, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 23. On the outside of the bounds of God's law, of his love, there is death. And so, in our relationships, and in the boundaries that we set up in this life, do not make them empty. Do not make them as a part of, this, of your life that are just these empty things, for there are consequences. And some of us, because we haven't said yes to godly things in our life, we bring that into the way that we have relationships with our kids and our spouse and our, our boyfriend and girlfriend and our boss and all of these things. And because we, we don't really deal with these things and there's no consequences for you or them, it's chaos and your suffering and your relationships are deteriorating because outside of the blessing and bounds of God is what? Death. And so God graciously and lovingly said, I want to put a hedge of protection around you. I want to put a hedge around your life. I want to put a hedge and keep you in my blessing because why? I know what's on the other side. And just like my kids who go, 
I just want to go swimming. I know I don't want you to go drowning. So it's no, because I love you. And what I asked my kids to do was to trust in who I am as their dad, not just what I'm saying. I heard this really great way to discipline, and we'll get ready to wrap up here in just a second. That this dad, I heard it was really incredible. He said, um, his kids are rebelling. They're putting firecrackers in the toilet or something. And he walks up and he says like, hey, we're not going to put firecrackers in the toilet. And the kid says, why? And the dad could graciously just say like, but this kid's like three, let's say four. I don't know how they got their hands on firecrackers. There's no boundaries. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Boundaries equal death. All right, no boundaries equals death. But instead of the dad going, hey, let me tell you what happens when a spark hits gunpowder and how that will affect your hand. The dad just bent down and he looked his son in the eyes and he said, who am I? And the kid said, you're my dad. And he said, and how do I feel about you? You love me. Because I love you, what are you going to do? I'll obey. For so many of us, we look at God like, why are you doing this to me? And God bends down and says, who am I? You're my father who art in heaven. And how do I feel about you? Your son's death says that you love me. So what are you going to do? I'll obey. I'll obey. Because I trust in who you are, not just what you do. It's called seeking the face of God over the hand of God because you know the heart of God. And so when we are in this moment, we have to look at this part of our life and you say, I don't, man, this is really hard. This, like, what do I do? And I think we should look at the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus. And Jesus set healthy boundaries. According to the Bible, when Jesus was tired, when he met the Samaritan woman, he sat down to rest. When Jesus was in his spiritual life, many times he would get away by himself to spend time with the Lord. Like he would do a miracle and knew like, man, so much of like this moment, like in my flesh, I am tired. I just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I need to get away and be with you. So he set spiritual boundaries in his life. He set physical boundaries in his life. He had a personal prayer time. But Jesus also made boundaries in behavior of the people that were around him. That there were certain behaviors and ways of acting that according to Jesus was a no-go. He had such boundaries that when Jesus entered the temple and he saw that people had made it an exchange place, and the problem wasn't that they were dealing with money. The problem was is that they were making it harder to get to God. They were working against people to profit against their need to make repentance for their sin, and they upcharged and inflated the doves and the goats and the lambs, and Jesus walks in and goes like, yeah, and he flips the table, he goes, this behavior is unacceptable, and there's gonna be a problem. But not only did he do that, Jesus made boundaries in the way that people spoke. And the way that people talked to him and talked to others and talked to these kids and did all of this, he made boundaries in this life. In fact, in Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says what? Hey, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that is of the devil. Be careful what you say. Why? Because Jesus is the author of life. And Jesus did what? He spoke everything into existence through his word. So the power of words is profound. Some of you know this because someone you spoke, someone spoke death into your life 20 years ago and you still can't get over it because words matter and words are powerful. And Jesus says, be careful what you say. So let me just ask us as we get ready to end here, we need to really look at our lives. And let me just ask you, what boundaries do you have? What boundaries do you have for yourself? Hey, that's a no-go zone for me. 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do that. Like, what boundaries do you have in the kind of relationships that you have? Like, young people in here, you're like, man, I just want this incredible person. Like, this God-fearing, incredible person that I want to marry. And yet, you have no boundaries in your life. Why don't you be the incredible person that you want to marry? Like, I don't know. Like, opposites attract. That's really not true. They might for a while, and then there's death, right? That's what lightning is. You understand that? Lightning is opposites attracting negative and positive protons, and then there's a lightning strike, and then there's a fire, and there's death. And some of you, that's the way you live your relationships. It's like lightning. You're like, this is exciting. Oh, no. It blew up. There were no boundaries in this. How many of us need to realize, like, you need to have boundaries in the way that you speak to each other, and some of you need to have boundaries of how you speak to yourself in your head. Some of us in here have no bounds. You will say anything to yourself. You are so stupid. You are so fat. You are so ugly. You are so awful. You are unlovable. Of course, it didn't go well, idiot. You're so stupid. And then you go, why am I miserable? Because you just speak death into your own life every morning of your life. You have no boundaries. And so you've invited the Trojan horse into your life every single day. Could I just give you, like, if that's you and that's the way you speak to yourself, could you replace your thoughts with God's thoughts and start speaking positive, true affirmations from the word of God about how he sees you as his son or his daughter? Because what do we do when we get a lie? We replace it with the truth. What physical, like, boundaries do you need in your relationships right now? Let me just tell you, like, just young people. Like, there's a lot of young people here tonight. Sex is really not meant to be accompanied by fear and anxiety and worry. It's not. It's not the way it was designed. It's not what it was built for. And some of us, because there's no boundaries, because it's not the right season, you're taking something so beautiful, but with a blessing is a curse in the wrong season. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel good. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel the same. It's just what comes after. And I'm telling you this because your pastor messed up that way. So this does not come from a seat of judgment. This comes from a seat of experience. What boundaries do you need in your marriage in the way that you speak to each other and the things that you do and how you behave? And what boundaries do some of us need in our relationship with God and what boundaries do we need to begin to obey again? Boundaries are built for blessing. And the incredible part of God and the incredible part of his grace and his mercy is he has set the boundary, but his grace and his mercy chase you. And because he is the definition of the boundary, he is always near to you. He is always close to you. And when you are ready to turn, the Bible calls this repentance, turn towards him, grace, mercy, peace, justice, love are waiting for you as soon as you turn around because he's following you all the days of your life. And so as Cody comes up, we're gonna sing a song and just respond and worship and in praise in this moment, I would just ask that every person just close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second. Just for a moment, just pray and seek the Lord in this time. And this, the reason we're doing this is just to allow you, to give you a moment where other eyes aren't on you and only God, God's eyes are on you. And let's just be honest with him. Let's be honest with ourselves. And so who in here needs to put some boundaries in their life in the way that they speak to themselves? Just raise your hand. All over the room, you're not alone. Who in here needs to put some boundaries in their relationships and the physicality of them or the way that they go about things? Just raise your hand. All over the room, you're not alone. How many of us 
need to put some boundaries in our lives in the way that we allow people to speak to us or the way that we speak to others. Just raise your hand. All over the room, you're not alone. How many of us need to get back to the boundaries of God or the boundaries in how we interact with him? Just raise your hand. All over the room, you're not alone. The incredible thing about all of that is if you raised your hand and the Bible says if you turn and repent and move towards the Lord, he will bring you right back into the fold. He will bring you into the boundary. He will bring you into the blessing. And the Bible says that when we obey these things and walk in these things and move in these things, it overflows into our lives with others. The Bible says that the very first boundary that you and I have to cross is not a boundary that we can cross on our own. For it is the boundary between life and death. And in the middle of the cavern, for so many of us, is sin. And the Bible says that whoever confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that he lived for them, that he died for them, and he rose again to cover the boundary to bring us home, that whoever would believe would be saved. And if you're in this room for the very first time, and that's the first boundary that needs to be crossed, the chasm between you and God. The Bible says we only need to call out upon his name to be rescued and saved and believe in Jesus and he will meet us here right now. So if you're in this room and for the very first time or maybe you need to recommit your life right now to Jesus Christ, if that's you in this room, I would just ask that you just raise your hand. That you would just, that be your cry to God that please cover the boundary. Please rescue me. I love you and I'm sorry. If you raised your hand in this room, you're not alone. All of us, me included, need to make, needed to make that same decision. But if you're in this room right now and you need to get back to God, to come home, you've crossed the bounds and you just need to turn around right now, would you just raise your hand? You're not alone. Church, we love you. God loves you. He's ready to bring you home. He's ready to heal your relationships. He's ready to bring you into blessing. He's ready to protect you. He's ready to provide for you. He's ready to bless you. It's just time we come home.